Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 182 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, July 10th, 2014, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming as of Monday, July 14th, 2014 at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Cookie. I'm Tony. And I'm Elijah. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Hello, everyone. What do we have in store this week, Elijah? Well, this week we trek out the basement of a very dedicated Star Trek fan that created quite a display of Star Trek memorabilia. And we look back at a vintage Star Trek comic that has managed to stay under the radar until now. In Star Trek Online news, the new Odyssey and Bortoscu uniforms have been announced, as well as Cryptic's official plans for Star Trek Las Vegas. Lead content designer Charles Gray talks research and development material packs and Star Trek Magazine spotlights Star Trek Online. We also go over the latest patch notes from Tribble. In this week's Community Spotlight segment, we are joined again by Star Trek Online's Community Manager, Captain Smirk, to talk community plans and Star Trek Las Vegas. And of course, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains this week at Captain Starbuck brings us his tips and tricks for getting the most out of that Cardassian galore with an ox to bat build in his latest edition of Trek Tech. Check out this blog and others only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, by the time you listen to this episode, we will be into the fourth week of our Indiegogo campaign to help fund our coverage of this year's Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. Thanks to your amazing support at the time of this recording, we've already raised over 87% of our minimum goal, which will get just one of us there. But Captains, Captains... Imagine how much of the convention we could cover if all three hosts were there. One person at the booth. One person at a panel. One person walking around the vendor hall, interviewing people. With cameras flashing and tweets going. All at the same time. It'd be information overload. And we'd be there to represent you. As a matter of fact, be sure to visit our Indiegogo campaign for an update video by our very own Cookie Cupcakes. And since so many of you are fans of Star Trek Online, we've got swag the likes of which you won't find anywhere else. For instance, by donating $75, you can get your hands on a limited print Star Trek Online poster in one of two flavors. Plus, you'll get a Priority One t-shirt, access to an invite-only Twitter feed, and our special thanks on the show. And Captains, we actually have some amazing news. Anyone who selects or has selected backer levels G or higher, so our 150 and up backer rewards, G, H, I, J, or K, will now earn an additional 5,000 zen. That's right, Captains. 
in those perks, we've upgraded them and included 5,000 Zen. We say it every week, Captains. Without you, none of this would be possible. So visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash campaign and find out how you can support Priority One Podcast. And we thank the team at Cryptic and Perfect World for their support. Speaking of thanks, we owe a huge thanks to those who have already contributed. That's right. A big thanks to Matt Miracle, Richard Gamble, Brian Kohler, T.D. Defner, and Neela Detan, a.k.a. Dustin. Thank you for committing to supporting Priority One at this year's Star Trek Las Vegas convention. And please, if you haven't already but are considering contributing, grab those epic rewards now before time runs out. I would very much like to see everyone at Vegas. That's right. And Captains, you can stay up to date on our progress by keeping an eye on our social media platforms like Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at STO Priority One. So, did I did I talk about the costume already? Nope. You got it, didn't you? I did. Woo! All right, so Captains. Okay, I'm so excited. On Monday the 30th, I ordered myself a Star Trek Online-inspired cosplay uniform. And by the next Monday, by July 7th, I had it at my doorstep. Wow. Yes, in a week's time. I didn't pay for expedited shipping. I didn't do... I I actually... I paid for uh, having it tailored to fit my measurements that I gave them. So it was made for you personally. It was made for me personally by Cosplay Sky. And I am really impressed with the quality of this uniform. I really am. It's very lightweight. The material is... It's all fabric. 100% fabric. And the material is light enough where if you held it up to a lamp or through light... You'll see through. You'll see, you know, some light shining through, but it doesn't feel like cheap material. So it's breathable. It's breathable. It's That's very nice. breathable and lightweight. Let's talk about breathable for a second. Right. Let's talk about breathable because when you're in Las Vegas, Nevada in August, it's going to be hot. So it's very nice to have a jacket and pants that will not make me feel like I'm melting. Overall, I am absolutely 100% thrilled with how this uniform turned out. And it feels Trek. All I have to do now is get the Star Trek Online pin that I have from my limited edition collection, add that on, and I am representing Star Trek Online. It's, it's, I can't wait to get to wear this, if not at Vegas, at another con, or at a party. To or the grocery somewhere. store. To the grocery store, anywhere it might be. Well, Tony, you actually have a uniform yourself, right? Have you ever had the opportunity of wearing it at a convention? No, no, I, I, I was inspired to buy it when I saw how good a lot of the uniforms were at the Star Trek convention. I, you know, everyone's seen those fan pictures of the uniforms that don't quite look right and are too big, or you know, you got the picture from the movies and the shows, right? You know, you know what a uniform's supposed to look like, and then you see the the, the kind of the fan made ones or the homegrown ones that they're good projects. You you have to applaud the effort that went into making them, but they just don't look quite right. That wasn't the case when I went to the convention and saw all the cosplay sky stuff. Uh, and I saw your pictures that you were uh, sending around Elijah with you in the uniform, and it it does look good. I mean, it, it's and the custom tailoring has a lot to do with that. Uh, you had a custom tailored uh, Star Trek uniform at your doorstep a week after you hit send. That's amazing. It is amazing, captains. We want to encourage you to visit priorityonepodcast.com forward slash cosplay sky. And when you look through their complete catalog of cosplay outfits, rest assured that you're going to be getting some quality stuff. And don't forget, and most importantly, to use promo code P, the number one, 
P-O-D, that's P-1-P-O-D, at checkout to save 10% off of your purchase. So again, that's PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CosplaySky. Use promo code P, the number one, P-O-D. Save yourself 10% because, Captain, you're out of uniform. We thank Cosplay Sky for their support of Priority One Podcast. Well, Captains, let's check out how Star Trek has been trending in the news this week. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Wouldn't we all love to have a replica of the USS Enterprise in our homes? Well, a man from Long Island did just that. Not only did he make an exact replica of the captain's chair as seen on the show Star Trek Enterprise, but he basically turned his basement into a museum filled with Star Trek memorabilia, including uniforms, props, weapons, a variety of different Star Trek mannequins. My favorite is the one of Captain Picard as Locutus of Borg. That one freaked me out. (laughs) That one was awesome looking. And there's an entire wall of Star Trek figurines. He even has a little exocomp. The entire collection has over 300 pieces and is valued at around a half a million dollars. It took three years to complete this basement of Trek magic. Although he has been collecting Star Trek memorabilia since the 1980s, it wasn't until he purchased a piece of the original set that he was then able to match the exact paint color and materials that were used. One of the things I really liked about this was there was this hallway and it has like a window outlooking space and the different ships. And it's so beautiful, and I'm so jealous. It looks like you're right on the ship. I did. I, I saw that, too. It was, it was, <laughs> it's inspiring, and that is actually one of my highlights, too, of it. And I wrote on my Facebook wall, I go, and people are afraid I'm too big of a Trekkie? Not to say that I wouldn't build this if I could, because I would if I could, and if Emily allowed me to. So, it, you know, this is... This is somebody with um, with a lot of time on their hands and certainly a lot of money, disposable income, that I envy. Yeah, and I saw there was a video, and his family is pretty supportive, except his sister called him a freak. But other than that, his <laughs> wife is supportive, and his two little kids are so cute, and they love it. And it's so cute. This guy's on the way to my friend's, probably on the way to my friend's house in, in Long Island. So I may have to hunt this guy down and maybe do a, a tour and then post it on on our YouTube channel. Oh, that'd be awesome. Check out the pics of this ship in a basement. Links will be in the show notes. According to an article by Daniel Rasmus on popmetters.com, in 1979, Paramount funded a Star Trek comic strip, mainly in the UK, but also a limited run in the US. So not a whole lot of people know about this vintage comic strip. It ran from 1979 to 1983, but over the last couple years, IDW Publishing has collected them all. The stories are perfect for those of you who've wished for more content from the Star Trek original motion picture, although the comic strip is not considered canon. This collection will be split into two large volumes, and will also include the history of its productions, including the many difficulties that were faced. Most newspapers at the time were not jumping at the chance to publish sci-fi content, and when they were open to it, Star Wars was a more popular choice. In addition to that, the comic strip faced more obstacles with an unsteady turnaround of artists and writers, and just general bad decision making. It did eventually recover with a new team of talented individuals, and the comics are now collector's items. These are fun. It's always nice to see these little gems surface from the vault. Yeah, I I looked at some of the samples that they had. They're not like 
funnies. <laughs> they're like hardcore, like yeah, they're like you know, like a, like a DC comic. They're, they, I forget did it say Kapow yeah, on it? I might have said Kapow <laughs> or Foom. <laughs> Discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Send them over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast dot Well, captains, let's check out what happened in Star Trek Online news. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. The following message comes from Fleet Admiral Jarrell Quinn of Starfleet Command on Earth's space dock. This memorandum is to inform you of the updates to the Starfleet Uniform Code, subsection 1, effective star date 87003. As the political realities throughout the Federation space continue to shift, Starfleet must remain a force for consistency and stability. To that end, the Admiralty is enacting a fleet-wide update and standardization of the Starfleet duty uniform. Starfleet has officially and totally adopted the uniform designated Odyssey which has already seen initial deployment by personnel on Earth's space dock in Sector 001 and in several Fleet Command starbases across the quadrant. The Odyssey uniform design provides a solid link to Starfleet's heritage while establishing a bold direction for its future. Subsection 2, Paragraph 1 of the Starfleet Uniform Code remains in effect. Starfleet captains continue to have discretion as to their personal uniform and the uniform of their bridge crew. In a blog post by UI artist Thomas the Cryptic Cat, a new standardization of Starfleet uniforms has been announced. When Season 9 launched, progressing the STO timeline to 2410, NPCs on ESD were all standardized with the widely favorited Odyssey fleet uniforms. Soon, the Odyssey uniform will be freely available to all players, and a new fleet variant uniform will be made available. Don't panic, Captains. If you have previously purchased the Odyssey Basics Unlock from your fleet's tailor, you will find these options are free of charge at your fleet tailor. If you hadn't purchased it before, each of the two new variants are available at half the cost, so it will split the original cost between the two new ones. The Klingon Defense Force also got some love. The Bortus Coup uniform is now available free to all Klingon captains, and three new variants will be made available via the fleet tailor. The Bortus Coup! Ceremonial, Guardian, and Operative. These bundles will each cost roughly one-third of the old Bortosku Fleet Uniform Unlock. But if you have already purchased the Bortosku Uniform, all three variants will be available to you for free. And if that wasn't enough, Odyssey love for you. 200 Day Vets will receive a long coat version of the uniforms. Actually, I have a comment on this. And this is this is a, sort of a wink at Thomas the Cryptic Cat. Uh, if you guys looked at the little uh, artwork that he had for this, the captain uniform is now white-shouldered with the uh, trim stripe and the black and all that kind of stuff. Everybody else is gray-shouldered like the old show, like like DS9. Thomas is uh, is uh, bringing in a little bit of the Honor Harrington universe in here, where the captain of the ship in the Honor Harrington universe always has a white hat. Now, there's no hats in Star Trek Online yet. But that's that's uh, that's a little uh, that's a little Thomas and his uh, Royal Manticore and Navy stuff coming through. I see what you did there, Mister Moroni. I see what you did there. Oh, fascinating. Uh-huh. Yes. I still don't like him, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, it's just not my you know, it's not my style. I, there's something about 
a bit of the padded armored look that I dig. So that's why I like the tactical version of it. The Odyssey tactical that will now be available to me since I purchased the original a few days ago. So I, I am, you know, I'm kind of digging the tactical one. I like the Klingon. I do like the Klingon uh, Botasku outfit, particularly the veteran jacket. And I also like the 200-day veteran jacket. I think that, let's see, ooh, because here's, here's something. Cosplay Sky, you can actually commission them to make you a new costume, right? So I was thinking about having a modification of the Sierra 4 done, but I kind of like the 200-day veteran jacket of the Odyssey. So, like, imagine that in a nice suede or like a suede-like material. That'd be pretty tight. Moving on in Star Trek Online news, Star Trek Online is coming to Vegas, baby! Yeah! Well, of course. Otherwise, we wouldn't be working so hard to make it there and represent you, the listener. This year, though, Cryptic, or Perfect World Entertainment, will be hosting their own panel with a select team of devs, including lead designer Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, producer Steven Rakosa, lead artist Brad Stoken, and community manager Trevor Captain Smirk McNesby. As always, there will be a meet-and-greet likely to happen at the iBar, which is in the lobby of the Rio, which will give you the opportunity to sit and chat with devs in a more casual setting. Unfortunately, you'll need to be 21 and older to attend that Meet the Devs. Last year was a blast, I gotta say, and uh, with Nick Taco Fangs dancing on the tables like an Orion slave girl, (laughs) you can rest assured, Captains, that if you send us to represent you at Vegas, we'll open a line via our private Twitter feed for backers asking for your questions. And if you're willing to support us, you can be certain we're going to represent you and ask your questions. Lead content designer Charles T. Earl Gray just released detailed information about the new research and development material packs so that will make it possible for players to progress through the crafting system. According to the blog, the queues will now reward a normal queue R&D material reward package and an advanced queue R&D material reward package. You only get an advanced package in addition to the normal package when you run a queued event on Elite. One of the changes is that the very rare materials available in the advanced queue packages won't be completely random. Specific queues will be linked with specific rewards. So, for instance, you can only get Trellium K from Kittimer Vortex, and you can only get Dentarium, which I think is made from teeth, from Undyne Infiltration. To help players keep track of what potential very rare material can be obtained from a given advanced pack, that very rare material will be listed parenthetically in the name of the pack. Uh, T. Earl Grey also announced the research and development booster packages available in the C-Store for 300 Zen or a bundle of four at 1000 Zen. Along with the materials, you also receive three components and three catalysts. Remember, catalysts can be used to increase your effective school skill on any given project, yielding a higher chance to create a higher quality item. But nevertheless, you can still farm harvest nodes during missions to gather R&D materials, and a new DOF assignment called Request R&D Assistance will be available at Starbase and Shipboard Recruitment Officers. All right, so originally I was concerned that we were going to have another prototype Borg salvage situation where we would pray to the Stow Gods that we would receive whatever rare material was needed. But fortunately, at least with these items, as far as we know, they're going to be tradable. And we know what to expect from each mission. Now, my question is, is on the catalysts, will those be tradable or have the ability to be uploaded to the exchange to then be purchased with EC? Probably. 
I, I don't see why they wouldn't be. You know, the, the stuff that they have that's account bound is stuff that they tie more directly with the lockbox, like the ships and weapons. Yeah, and the stuff that's in the sea store typically is you can you can move that around. Except to the point about ships, but I would think that these would be available on the exchange for EC. But that I I, I take issue with the prototype salvage thing, arcing back to the old days of the STFs. I think this is a maneuver on Cryptic's part to get people to play those less favored. Um, elite queue missions to encourage people to head to those queues because you know whatever thing they reward for you know uh, uh, infected space elite uh, there's going to be tons of those on the exchange you'll get them for a dime a dozen probably but uh, and some of the ground STFs and some of the other queues that just aren't populated those crafting materials if they do go on the exchange will be rare and expensive Uh, so it's an enticement to try to get people to play that kind of content eh you know, I, I don't, I don't know that I like it that much because the people that are going to be doing the crafting aren't going to want to be at the mercy of the people who do STFs. Uh, you know, maybe that's a, a, a cooperative thing. You know, there's people in your fleet that like to do the ground STFs, and you're the crafter, so you have to send them or have people in your fleet willing to do those things in order to get you the crafting materials you need. I mean, I think that's probably what the design goal is, but I'm not sure that I like it because it does remind me too much of the old battle days. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't. I, I I see what you're saying, and I'm sure it will kind of jack up the prices in the less favorable queued missions. Oh, yeah. But I think at first, nobody's going to have a problem loading into a queue for these materials. I think everybody's going to be so involved in the crafting system, especially at first when it comes out, that we probably won't experience that desert. They're not going to find that much difficulty in pugging uh, that type of a queued event. And even nowadays, I mean, you know, it's not too difficult even to queue a pug for a ground mission. I mean, you know, you might have to wait a few minutes, but launch a DOF mission or two uh, in the meantime. I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad. I'm just saying that it, it, it introduces an imbalance immediately into the design of the crafting system, an imbalance that has nothing to do with the crafting system. It has to do with the preferences of the player base as to which elite queued events that they like. So, I mean, it just, it, to me, it just, you know, automatically certain types of things are going to be more expensive and harder to craft because of the preferences of other players. Uh, you know, it, it, it introduces an imbalance into the system already. And I, and I just, I, I mean, there, there may be a good reason to do it. I just don't know if I like it. I don't know if I agree with it. But, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let it run and... I'm sure, as everything else in an MMO, if it's not working, they can always fix it. Star Trek Online continues to be spotlighted in the summer edition of Star Trek Magazine, and the topic of discussion is, of course, Season 9, The Undine, and the featured episode Surface Tension. They also continue to spotlight the Foundry and highlight missions from three STO community authors. Sovereign77X, who wrote the Federation mission Forget-Me-Not, NX-89, who wrote the Klingon mission, Silent Night, and Ali Mac 30, who wrote the Federation mission, The Mains of Balnar Moon. There is also new original fiction by STO lead writer Christine Thompson, which nicely continues the story of the Enterprise F crew, captained by Vakel Sean. This story plays off the plot of the original series episode, Day of the Dove, where an alien entity feeds off negative vibes and violence. I really liked that. I read that. That was so, like, I really liked that story. What was it about it that you liked? It was like a page turner, except it wasn't very long. I thought it was maybe a teaser. Is there more coming? 
Unfortunately, these RP stories that are presented by the cryptic writing team for Star Trek Online are only in the Star Trek magazine, as far as I can tell. So we don't see it translated into the game. And what I particularly enjoyed about Christine's story in this uh, in this issue of Star Trek magazine was the tie into surface tension at the start of the story, where where Sean and a skeleton crew are flying back to Starbase 39 in a new Aquarius destroyer, because if you recall, Sean performed the Randy Quaid maneuver from Independence Day in order to destroy the Undine Planet Killer, effectively ending the war between the Federation and Klingon factions. All right, you alien hand holes. In the words of my generation, up I really liked the story. It was very um, suspenseful right away. Like, it captured your interest right away, and it wasn't something that you could just stop reading in the middle and walk away. You had to finish it. No, it was a very good, well-written story. Yeah. What I want to ask is, why don't they put these RP stories in the game somehow? Either in the form of a quick mission, a for something. Just something that is at the forefront and in the eyes of the player. Right on the front page of the site or mm -hmm. stickied on the form. Maybe they are on the forums and I've missed them. A storyboard video or with voiceover, you know, something. Because honestly, since Surface Tension, I haven't really felt the burning desire to log back into the game. Like the Risa event, just it just wasn't for me. And sure, grinding and gear is essential for any MMO, so I'm not complaining about the cute events or about a quote-unquote lack of variety in the game I'm, that's not what I'm bringing up here but I really could use some story like it's been a, a little while and I'm really tired of playing reruns of Star Trek on Netflix just to get my fix I want Stowe to be my story fix now I'm not asking for featured episode caliber missions every week but maybe short one-offs that told the stories that the team has been writing for Star Trek magazine mm. and going off last week's discussion they could make it a foundry challenge that propels the story forward. You know, Christine could outline a basic plot and authors use the foundry to tell the story. Like this, uh, her RP story in, in Star Trek magazine titled Dove, I could see that as a foundry mission in some way, shape, or form. You have to kind of come in and, and support the Aquarius destroyer. So Christine outlines a basic plot and foundry authors use the tool to tell that story. Then... The best of the best, the cream of the crop, get included in the mission journal. Featured on Star Trek Online Newsfeed and Star Trek Magazine, maybe they earn some zen. Not unlike what's being done now with the Foundry Spotlight. Except, the Foundry missions fill in the gaps between featured episodes. And getting featured in the official Star Trek Magazine is no small accolade. Soradim has been on there, Dr. Hurt has been on there, and of course the authors that we mentioned earlier today. That's, that's no small accolade. That's resume-worthy stuff right there. I kind of like that idea. I mean, it would bring more focus to both the Foundry Spotlight and to the Foundry Challenge. I don't know if that's back yet. And the Foundry's been up and down uh, of late, having some technical problems, as usual, with the Foundry. Uh, coming up on a season change, I'm sure things are breaking left and right and is normal with the Foundry on a season update. We'll probably have some downtime with the editor and, and some problems bringing back up. But, you know, that's a, I like this. This is a good plan. You know, the, instead of just uh, someone making up a story and, uh, or, you know, like Captain Smirk or the community team making up a, okay, captains, um, 
you're a rabbit and you're a squid. Discuss. You know, they have something that's more connected to the actual progression of the story in the game. And they can be a variety of stories, you know. There could be four or five winners. There's lots of things happening in the Star Trek Online universe, and they could all be happening simultaneously. So that's a great idea. Endorsed. <laughs> I'm glad I have a Foundry author's approval. Ding! The fact of the matter is that the Foundry tools have been broken or just don't get updated, and the hurdles are there, clearly, for Foundry authors to create new and exciting content that pushes the limits of even Star Trek Online developers. I think that if they were to let the players tell the in-between stories and release them maybe one week at a time, they're going to get me back in. They're going to get me in to play those stories. They're going to get me into the game. And when I play those stories, I'm going to launch DOS and I'm going to do content. There and, you go. And instead of being in there for only 20 minutes and then feeling bored and yep. tired and, you know, all right, I'm going to log out now. Nobody's on. Yep. I'm going to continue playing. I'm going to play the mission and I'm going to get things done. Because Cause that's what brings people back in, the advancement of the story. Right, More right. Star Trek story. That's what brings people back. That's why people don't uninstall the game. Right, that's exactly. Why I've got this other show. You might have heard about it. Guard Frequency is a pretty good show. You should check it out. <laughs> but I haven't uninstalled Star Trek Online for my computer. I'm not going to because I know that they're going to be moving the story along. And if they had something that moved the story along every week or every other week... I'd log in more often. And that's that's been true since the game launched. When exactly. the new season comes out and the new episode comes out, the servers crash, there's login queues, people moan and groan, they got to reboot stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Hey, that's a great problem to have. Why not have that every other week? And uh, this is a fine, this is a great idea. Uh, I'll, I'll again endorse it. Ding! And I remember this being a big discussion when featured episodes were first released under Dan Stahl's command. Uh, you know, the dance stall, I know, you know, in, in its initial iteration was his plan was to have featured episodes come out very frequently. Yeah. Water cooler moments. He wanted water cooler moments. And have you played the new one yet? Have you played it yet? Oh, don't tell me. Spoiler yeah, exactly, alert. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm not. And again, I'm not asking for for featured episode caliber missions because, I mean, featured episodes from then to what they are now are just, you know, night and day. Yeah. But yeah. even from the little Foundry that I've played, I've seen how creative and how – I don't play the Foundry often, but I've seen how ingenious Foundry authors can be with the tools that they are given, albeit limited tools. And I've you can been tell impressed. great stories. You can tell great stories. So I think that – Tony would know. I would know because I made a great story. It's called The Overture Series. You should check it out. It's a pretty good series. It really is an untapped market. I wonder what is holding them back from just adding that little bit to capitalize yeah, the thing that will make it work is the thing they can't give, the official nod. I mean, they can give spotlight missions the nod, like, hey, this has been reviewed and it's acceptable and there's nothing bad about it and technically it all works, you know, okay, you know, we, we'll give you a stamp of approval on it. But the problem is it's that fuzzy gray area with the EULA and all that kind of thing. That's what I think. They can't officially bless things. Well, yeah, but here's what the EULA says, though. The EULA says that once you create a Foundry mission, it's not yours anymore. Right, that's really what the legal uh, what the legal mumbo jumbo translates to. I guess once so. you create and publish a Foundry mission, you it's it's not yours anymore. It becomes the property of Star Trek Online. Now, Star Trek Online has never taken advantage of that. Star Trek Online no, has never. never stolen quote unquote stolen a Foundry idea or a Foundry author story and claimed it to be their own. Right, that would be PR suicide. It's good. It's good community relations. But yeah. Yeah. you know, it, all it all it would take is. A, a nod on the front page 
hey, check out this in-between story between the Foundry missions authored by so-and-so. And for the Foundry authors that can tell this story the best, here's a thousand zen. Yeah. Here, let me. In all seriousness, I do cover this other game, and they do. They had this contest where the fans of the game created starships, and a bunch of people submitted their starship ideas, and like the top ten or fifteen of them got interaction with the developers, and that was what it cost them to refine these ten or fifteen uh, ship ideas down to a really, really high quality group of about six. And then they uh, narrowed it down to two finalists. And then the grand prize of the contest was some pretty cool stuff and some money. But your ship went into the game as an official ship. There's no reason why that can't be replicated foundry-wise uh, for, for that. There's all kinds of ways this could totally work. And so I think starting with Elijah's suggestion that it'd be gap content uh, between the featured episodes. They get a direction, a, a story pitch from Christine and the writing staff. And everyone goes and makes a bunch of these missions that go along like that. And then people play them, and they say uh, the community votes on them. And, like, these top five are, like, the best ones. The Star Trek on Life staff reviews them, gives people some editing notes, tells them what's going to make it better, make it worse, lets let authors make the changes to it. And then you have a contest, and at the end, one of them is, like, the spotlight, and the other ones are the runners-up. And the spotlight one gets some slightly better rewards, but the runners-up ones, they all become official, quote, quote, official content between the featured episodes series. I hope so. I think that, you know, in the discussion of whether or not it is lucrative for them to invest in Foundry, I think that maybe they've they just haven't looked at it. It's all about it's all about getting the cheeks back in the seats, man. And people will log back in for story. They log back in for story. It really is. It really is. If they were just to invest a little bit of time and, you know, again, who knows? Who knows maybe, you know, what we think is a little bit of time really would just take them weeks to just get a a stable Foundry but I think that it's an untapped market. I think Foundry authors are hungry to continue the stories, these in-between stories. I think they're hungry to do it. And I think that the recognition from Star Trek Online, from maybe even Star Trek Magazine, which they're already doing, just like they did the recognition for the Enterprise F. All the pieces are lying around. Yeah, all the, yeah they are. They are. They are. They really are. Because I'm more likely to jump into a Foundry mission that continues a storyline that I'm involved with and that's been, quote-unquote, blessed by the Star Trek Online writing team than I would to just walk into the Foundry and just say, um, this mission. Right, because even people that you know that write Foundry missions, you don't walk in and do theirs. Exactly. See, I mean, that's how skeptical you are. Moving on to triple patch notes. (laughs) That's right, triple patch notes. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, green items will now be completely eliminated from R&D results when player skill rating exceeds difficulty rating by at least 50 points. Ah, so the randomness is starting to fall out a little bit. Once green and white items have been eliminated from the possible R&D results, blue outcomes will begin to be eliminated at a faster rate than before, and if a player's skill rating exceeds the difficulty rating of a project by an extremely large amount, it is now possible to completely eliminate blue items from possible outcomes. This was one of my bigger gripes about the initial design of the system, is that after a certain point, you are awesome at crafting, and there should be no question that you should always be able to craft awesome things uh, in the crafting system. I think this is uh, a step in the right direction for making those outcomes a lot more predictable uh, for people that are going to expend time and trouble advancing the system. So here, here, clap, clap, well done. 
And Alethium has been added to the rewards and the missions for the following zones. New Romulus, Dyson Sphere, Space Adventure Zone, Defera Invasion, and Nukara Invasion. Some exchange updates. Kit modules now have their own search category in the exchange. Yay. Added an R&D material search category to the exchange. Yay. Added an R&D components search category to the exchange. Yay. And the data samples category has been removed because the data samples themselves are gone. Cookie, you also have updates to the game, don't you? Yes. Very important ones um, about Ryza. So KDF is going to be able to go to Ryza all year round. And because there's a truce on now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone can go on vacation and rise again. Again, Captain Sean, Randy Quaid had maneuvered and mm-hmm. earned that uh, that ceasefire. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, apparently, the Ryzen birds are either bugged or there's some kind of voodoo trickery going on because Skiffy discovered something. Skiffy found it. Okay, the adult tufted birds. Okay, not the regular, just the tufted. When you get them, they're beautiful, vibrant, amazing colors. But when they become seniors, the colors become muted and bland again. So, I don't know if this is a bug or if this is supposed to be that way, but I never think to look at the adults. I always just put them to seniors because I think in my mind, okay, seniors are better. But nope, not for the tufted birds. If you get a chance, I know there's not much time left, but if you have any adult tufted birds before you turn them into seniors, just take a look at them. Because you're probably just going to want to keep them as adults. They're so much prettier than the tufted seniors. It's just amazing the difference in colors. The tufted is the critical chance result. Mm-hmm. That it's like when you roll the dice and you get the awesome reward. That color scheme should probably be consistent throughout the entire tufted line. Uh, so that, I'm voting for a mistake, too. Yes, now that Cookie has brought this up, uh, the Star Trek Online crack uh, team <laughs> will get to this and it will be resolved probably before we go to air. I was disappointed because I got all the seniors thinking, okay, this is what the best of the birds are. And then I saw all of Skiffy's adult tufted. And if there's one thing the cryptic team cannot have, is a disappointed Cookie. Yeah, right. That will not stand. I have one adult tufted bird now that I've gotten, but I don't think I'm going to have time to get any of the others. But it's so beautiful. Ugh. I wish they would fix the bug, though. Well, Captains, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Now we invite Community Manager Captain Smirk onto the show to talk about the latest community events. On the show today is Star Trek Online's Community Manager, Trevor. Captain Smirk McNesby. Trevor, thanks for joining us again on Priority One Podcast. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Now, you started as the Star Trek Online Community Manager around the fall of last year, correct? Sort of. I actually started as a simple content manager, which is a step below community manager. Oh, okay. You were actually my first community manager, as I wasn't really paying much attention to that aspect of the community until I started listening to Priority One, which is around the beginning of this year. So, how have things been going for you the last few months? Things have been going well, but they've been a little rocky for the whole team. We've had a lot of restructuring to do after Brandon's departure, and a lot of trying to figure out some new processes here for Perfect World on how we want to handle our community outreach and our event promotion, as well as coming up with some new strategies for Season 9.5, Season 9, and of course the mystery new season that's coming on the horizon that I can barely speak about. Well, we'll 
try to pry a little later. I would expect no less. So what do you like most about your new job? I'd have to say, uh, just to clarify the difference between the two, the content management position I originally started in, which is now occupied by Laughing Trendy, that position was going into the game and spending a majority of our time on our test shards, taking a lot of pictures and getting the art assets for our advertisements made, and that was a ton of fun. It was literally me just going in and loading into maps, loading costumes and the special gear, and just going to town, making recordings and taking pictures. The community management side, I'm doing a little bit of that from time to time for the engagement blogs, and uh, now I'm doing much more of, well, almost exclusively the setup of live stream broadcasts, the events, and trying to coordinate promotion of what's currently going on in the game with getting player engagement and people to come in and take part and really be active with the community. And that's almost as fun as taking pictures. <laughs> yes, I love the live streams, and you do such a good job at gaining interest in that and engaging the community. Thank you. But what is the most difficult aspect of your job? Right now I'd have to say the most difficult aspect of my job is trying to figure out some new processes for the forums. The forums are definitely an area where we want to be able to get in and find the player feedback that the dev team needs to make improvements and changes to the game as well as giving them direct feedback on how the players feel about certain new initiatives and certain changes. And we're currently in the process of remaking some different aspects of the forums that I won't go too much into detail, but I'm going to have announcements coming in the next several weeks about changes that will be coming. Not just to the forums, but to different aspects of our social media outreach as well, our use of Twitter and Facebook and we're really wanting to push more live streams as that's just really what our company wants to focus on as far as direct engagement with the players. Yes. Now, is this part of the restructure? Like, are you looking to hire uh, new team members to tackle these type of initiatives? Uh, is my first question. The second question on the forums, I know you can't go into too much detail, but are we looking at a an interface re uh, overhaul or more like a terms of service kind of change? Not so much in terms of service change, although we are going to be doing some new promotions to remind people exactly what the terms of service entail. We want to make sure that some of the archive posts get updated with fresh, even almost a, a clear explanation of what some of the TOS rules are so that people don't fall into traps of not realizing so much that they're, you know, stepping against one of the, the rules. So we want to clarify for some people. And then we also just want to remind what some of the terms of service are and prep people for some of the changes that are coming. The changes that I can talk about, we're going to be restructuring some of the way that we give information in the forums and the way we handle threads so we can really drive feedback in one direction and discussion in another. Right now it's very mixed between the two and it makes it a lot more difficult for us to to pick out when we're going through the threads exactly what is feedback that we can send on to our team to improve upon the game versus what is discussion that wall is always welcome and valid doesn't give us an exact layout of what we need to focus on for coding and for the in-game you know meat and potatoes nitty-gritty of what we have to change yeah i've noticed that as well like if i'm looking for an answer to a question i'll have to weed through a lot of not very constructive <laughs> posts that don't help me answer the question at all and then eventually couple pages in maybe I'll find the answer so yeah that that's definitely needed and then there's always the problem that once the question has been answered it'll maybe be followed by several pages of discussion or other topics or other questions and then someone who was coming into that forum fresh will want to ask the same question not realizing it had been answered seven pages previously
And with respect to the, the new events, uh, you mentioned restructuring. Are you looking to add new team members to the Star Trek Online community team? Right now, we're trying to figure out a nice balance between putting more time into our live streams and using the live streams in a different way to not only just promote events, but really bring news to the players. Right now, we've been so consistent with the written word and using Facebook and Twitter and the forums to write out responses that we really have realized that it's it's not as fast as it could be if, say, we were putting out a regular video update or more recorded updates, even recorded tutorials, almost like a cross between teaching people different aspects of changes that are coming or very core aspects of the game, as well as almost doing a news broadcast. That's one of the reasons we started testing out the forum Q&A. We wanted to see what kind of traction we could get with that using the live streams to answer questions versus a static post of a wall of text. Cool. Interesting. That's a good idea. We may end up having um, some of our EU team jumping in in the future. They've expressed interest in coordinating some cross-the-pond event, basically representation for making sure that our, our players in the EU and other areas don't always have to be excluded because the time frame doesn't work so well when we're doing promotions here in the, the U.S. And we're also trying to figure out ways that we can maybe move our schedule around to include weekend broadcasts and evening broadcasts off hours. So we may end up hiring some more volunteers, which uh, could include potentially having people who will also do their own live streams that we could give an official push to. So that could possibly happen in the future. That's one thing we've been kicking around. Excellent. Well, that's fantastic. You know, the uh, one thing that uh, we've always appreciated about uh, Cryptic and now Perfect World, of course, is is um, their involvement with the community, you know, with their involvement with the podcasts, uh, the fan casts that, uh, you know, do these things uh, voluntarily. And, and, and with your support, we can continue to do these things on a weekly basis. And, and so working with, uh, with the team has just been great, uh, at least for Priority One Podcast. And, and, uh, and, you know, I know that several other podcasts have had the opportunity of working with you, too. And that's just fantastic. That's definitely one of my prime directives, is to get more media involvement with our podcast. The last few weeks, and uh, actually the last few months now, it's been really not something that I've been happy with, that I haven't had as much time to go and interact with, not only being on the podcast myself, but setting up interviews for other staff members. The last few weeks, we've almost been in a drought, and it's been mostly, unfortunately, the changing of our team structure and the training of new members has left me with less time to do direct engagement because I'm spending more time facilitating training for other members of the team to take over aspects that's meant to allow me to have more time to do media outreach and finally I'm coming to the period where I can begin doing this again. That's that's really exciting and, and hopefully uh, uh, you guys can move forward with that. Utilizing us, the community, in getting more news about Star Trek Online out to other players and, and like you said, tutorials, that'd be great. You know, live streams, that's fantastic. Uh, speaking of you know, getting involved, you're going to Vegas, right? Yes, I can officially say we are going to be in Vegas and I'm going to be presenting at our panel, which is going to be just, I, it still hasn't set in. The geek shock hasn't worn off that I'm going to be on a panel 
and not like crazy rushing the stage about to get kicked out of the convention all on a stage for a panel, but actually hosting and moderating a panel. Now, are you going in uniform? That's my first question. I was still debating that. I, I was trying to see if I could arrange a creature effect makeup artist in Vegas to maybe doll me up as an Andorian or something cool. I would still love to do that on stage, but now it's just a question of whether I'll sweat all the makeup off in Vegas in mid-August or early August. Now, what can you tell us, if anything, about the panel? Uh, what, uh, what kind of topics might you be covering? Well, I'm still not clear to talk about exactly what the discussion will be on the panel, but I can give you guys some hints based on who's going to be there. We're going to have, of course, Al, Captain Gecko, is going to be there, our lead designer. So he's going to have a lot to say about, of course, all the designs that are coming for future content. And we're going to have our lead producer, Stephen Ricosa, who is going to be giving some information about our intentions for what we're coming up with with the new season. And we're going to have Brad Stoke on our head artist there, who's going to have a bunch of great images to show off. We're going to have some videos to show off as well of, God, I wish I could talk to you guys about it. We're going to have a lot of (laughs) images of redacted and more images of redacted and some redacted ships. Oh, nice. Very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, Do you plan on taking questions at the end of the panel? Yes. We're going to devote the last 15 minutes of our panel to Q&A. And we're even, uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of a raffle while we're there as well. We've got some of our uh, partners that we usually get nice gift packages or prizes to give out on our live streams who have voluntarily given us some gear to give out while we're actually doing the panel. And we're probably going to do a little trivia, a little Q&A trivia, and we still haven't decided exactly what we're going to base it off of. We definitely want it to be Star Trek Online-related trivia, but we might base it off of one of the videos we're going to show because then that's quick and immediate for people who are there. Once they watch it, 20 minutes later, We'll say, hey, remember that video you guys just saw? Well, what color was so-and-so wearing in this picture? And that can you know, it'd probably be a lot harder of a question than that, but something related to what they just saw to make even players and people who were there seeing Star Trek Online for the first time and unaware of the game, they'll still be able to try to answer to get some of these, these great prizes we're going to be giving out. Nice. So Priority One listeners will have a leg up on this because they'll know to pay attention to the video. Very sneaky. Uh, So actually, could you remind listeners that might be attending Star Trek Las Vegas when the panel is, where, and and all the logistics? Absolutely. We're going to be... Our dev panel will be taking place at 2 p.m. on August 2nd, Saturday, and it's going to be in the Gene and Michelle Roddenberry Theater, which is the big theater. I think it's something like five to 7,000 seats. So we are going to have a ton of space for everybody, and we really want to fill those rows. We really want to have a ton of people there because we've. Uh, I'm so excited to show you the samples of what's coming. So there are going to be a lot of people heading to this in-game as well as we're trying to draw in players, people who have never played the game before just so they can see what's developed with the game that's in line with canon and and all the cool stuff that's coming and we're hoping to convert absolutely absolutely and and if we get to team up with uh, trek radio we'll be sure to have a projector set up and we can play the game and and have people watch the live gameplay uh right there at the at the vendor hall which is always exciting. Yeah, I'm going to make sure to spend some time around your booths. <laughs> now, what about uh, after the panel? How it, Are there any plans for uh, the developers and the team to kind of mingle with the audience? Right now, we're still trying to hammer out some details with creation. Uh, we've got a limited time frame on how long we can be on the stage for, and with the presentation we have in mind, as well as QA from the fans, as well as trying to do the giveaway, we're going to be a little pressed for time, but we're going to want to encourage people to come up after the panel 
right at the stage to, I mean, number one, uh, one of the things I would love to do is the fact that Saturday is cosplay day. I want to encourage people to come up to the stage and post for pictures with me personally for the Twitter account because I would just love that. But aside from that, we're, we're looking to put together Saturday uh, evening after the panel and after the convention is shut down. We want to put together a Meet the Devs event like we did last year where it'll be everybody hanging out. We'll do another raft for some other different prizes while we're there and just giving the players a chance to meet up with several of the employees who are going to be there. We do have three employees on the panel plus myself, but we're going to have practically the entire company. There's going to be so many staff members who are there on their own who will be coming to the meetup event to have some drinks and to chat about STA with players. That is exciting. And and if you guys remember the last two years that uh, uh, Priority One was there, I had my handy-dandy recorder there. So uh, we'll be sure to record a few questions and interviews while we're at the iBar uh, harassing the devs. Are there any celebrities that you're looking forward to meeting? Uh, well, I was really hoping to meet Patrick Stewart, but it doesn't look like he's going to be there for the lineup. Mm-hmm. But there are still lots of other celebrities that I would love to meet. I would definitely love to get a picture of me with Marina Sirtis. The last time I saw her at the, the San Francisco con last year, I think she only threatened to beat up one player or one viewer that was there in the audience. <laughs> he said something about... Enter- oh, that's what it was. He made a comment about how the TV shows only got better after TNG, and he meant it as a very nice compliment, but her reaction was hysterical. <laughs> I'll have to see if that's on YouTube somewhere. They can be arrived. So I can't wait to see her again. I would love to meet Brent Spiner. Oh, me too. There's so many of them that I would love to meet. One thing, actually, uh, Trevor, I wanted to ask you is that over the last several months, Star Trek Online has had a section in Star Trek Magazine. Uh, Are there plans to continue that, and and will we still see that uh, moving forward? Actually, have you guys seen the latest issue, issue 50? Yes, the summer. We actually talked about it this last uh, episode. Okay, great. Yeah, because I know that Christine Thompson had a section in there for one of her original pieces of fiction that uh, they coordinated with Star Trek Mag to have an episode or an issue 50, and I've been excited about I've been aware that that was coming out for the last two months and I've just been waiting for it to get here. So I haven't gotten to see it yet. But I know that they have been great with their treatment of STO over at Star Trek Mag and I know that they are continuously wanting to put more in and we've actually already started discussing our future plans for some of the the next few issues that will be coming out. So there will there will be definitely more Star Trek Online devotion to in the magazine coming out soon to some of the content that's coming up. It's going to be timed just right for some of our future releases. Oh, great, great, great. So actually, if you're if any of you are paying attention to the publication schedule for that, I might have just given you a hint. Ah, something's coming out in winter. <laughs> winter is coming. Yeah, winter is coming. Actually, that brings up something regarding the Foundry, and I don't maybe more so just to get your opinion on it. Having been inspired by reading the Christine Thompson's Dove story, one thing I thought was, and we were discussing earlier in the show this Thursday, was that what have there been any thoughts about having the Foundry challenge plots fill in the gaps between the uh, featured episodes? So that, let's say, for instance, Christine or the writing team releases just little plot guides so that Foundry authors can create missions that would essentially satiate that desire for story between featured episodes. And also, with the new Foundry Challenge, you've actually introduced a new feature in it. And if you could, please talk about that. Well, one of that actually is a a really good idea that I don't think anybody given serious thought to doing with the feature episodes. I know that, uh, of course, Cryptic is very, very hush-hush on the plot lines for upcoming episodes. It's definitely something that they keep a very tight lid on. So I don't know exactly how much they would give us 
us a lot of details to kind of bridge the gap between the episodes before they come out, but after the episodes come out, it may be a little late, but people could always go back and do that for a future challenge. But one thing we may be able to do is there's a lot of not so much loose threads in the future episodes, but a lot of side stories that could help us revealing any information about upcoming episodes. It could be more in-depth explanations of something that happened in a future episode that we did not plan on elaborating on in a future episode, which we could get some direction from Christine and the writing staff to do. And I think that could be a really interesting way to tie that in with using the Foundry as a way to extend the stories that Cryptic has made specifically for the future episode. So that's actually a really good idea. I'm going to pitch that to them. Awesome, awesome. Because, you know, one, one thing, like you mentioned, Christine's story in Star Trek magazine is a spinoff of an old TOS episode where Sean engages with a, spoiler alert, Sean engages with a Klingon captain near... Uh, the alien entity that feeds off negative energy. So it, it didn't tell a story that was directly involved with season nine. It was, like you said, a side story. Uh, and I think that it will specifically bring a spotlight to the foundry and get players involved in playing authored missions by the community and get players just in the game, if not on a weekly basis, on a bi-weekly basis to play some some content. And now also in the last foundry challenge, a new, a new feature was involved. What... Uh, was incorporated. What can you tell us about that? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, when I originally came up with the challenge for this one, I, I just, I love the Mirror Universe stories so much. And honestly, I just love the joke of the Mirror Universe it involves a lot of goatees on everything. So I, I really wanted to have some fun with that. And I, I realized there was a big content gap missing as far as any indication of what happened to the Romulan uh, Star Empire and if there was a Romulan Republic in the Mirror Universe. I thought that that would make a very interesting challenge. But I did shoot myself in the foot a little because I had forgotten that there were so few Romulan assets available in the Foundry for players to use, to use to create their stories. But then that also, I was able to turn around into a challenge of, let's see how you guys do with creating your own mirror assets for the Romulans, since we don't have a lot. <laughs> How's that? How, how has it turned out? We've had some great submissions, and I've actually been trying to think of a way to incorporate playing the missions in one of the live streams or a few live streams to show off some of the missions. And I'm, I'm still trying to decide if I want to go and run through all of them, which I may be under time restraints. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. But if I was able to pick, say, the top three contenders and then go and play them during a live stream to really bring some highlighted attention to them and then do a second round of voting. Basically, right now, the old system of the Foundry Challenge has been a challenge in itself to keep up with, with the Foundry having been down for the the re-editing of the missions affected by the ESD revamp, as well as the recent problem we had with having to take the editor offline. It's It's something that we've looked at and realized the system itself for how we run the challenges we want to update. And if we're going to update just the, the bare bones of the challenge, why not think of new ways to bring it to the people and show it in the live stream and really draw some, like I said, direct engagement feedback and viewership to the challenges itself to showcase these awesome missions the players are making. That's a good opportunity to rely on community producers like Starbase UGC to run the Twitch stream on something like that, right? Huh? Huh? Yes, indeed. <laughs> I won't be doing a live stream on the 11th, but uh, one of the reasons I won't be doing it today is because I'm going to be taking some time with one of our coworkers who is a Foundry whiz kid, and we're going to be going through some... Basically, we're trying to create not only some tutorials for our employees, but we want to make some tutorials that we can officially put out for the Foundry to help get more authors involved. Oh my gosh, that would be so 
cool. For, for me, me too. I want to start making missions. Because <laughs> I don't know anything about the Foundry. So we've got season 9.5 coming out uh, soon. Um, is there anything other than crafting that players aren't aware of yet that is coming with season 9.5? And what can you tell us about uh, any future content coming down the pipe? Well, the three major big things that people have already found out about were, of course, the crafting update that's coming, and in tied in with that, the changes to the DOF UI that are going to be coming in conjunction with the new research and development UI additions. So people are already aware of that, and that ties into the new R&D packs that we've already released information about that will be sold in the C-Store. And just so everybody is aware, the R&D packs will not have anything in them that you cannot get other ways in the game. So uh, there's been a lot of fear that we were only going to release certain pieces of the crafting recipes through these boxes sold in the C-Store, and that is not at all our intention. You can still find all of these pieces in other areas, in queues, hunting for materials. So you won't be excluded if you don't buy the box. The box from the C-Store is more just a way for people who may not have the time to invest in going in through the elite queues and the normal queues to get the materials and doing all of their farming to still be able to, to get their hands on the crafting material so they can take part in the system. If they're time constrained, then they can still use some Zen to get something and get a, a leg up on it. What about the catalysts? <laughs> the catalysts? Uh, we are actually still waiting for some concrete information from our dev team on that. That's been one of the pieces of the, the recipe that has been hush-hush until it actually hits live. So we're still a little in the dark on that ourselves. Trendy and I, like we've said before in a couple of different interviews, we're usually the last rung in the pipeline before it gets to the public on, on direct information about some of the changes coming. So we are waiting for that information ourselves on the catalysts. I wonder why that is. Do they think you're blabbermouths or something? <laughs> <laughs> like, don't tell Smirk and Trendy. I think it's more just it's still a work. <laughs> like it's been very much a work in progress for this new system. So I think that's that's why we still haven't gotten anything that because normally since we're on the publication side, we get the final draft. So the rough drafts are still in play before we get the final draft. I guess one of the my biggest questions would be um, how much of the R and D boxes, how much how much of the content is going to be tradable. Um, you know, will I be able to, for instance, get a catalyst from the exchange or capitalize on, on the social aspect of, of the MMO so that if I don't have a piece, I can easily trade it among player, you know, with another player. So, I, yeah, I guess those would be those two questions would be my um, on, on the top of my list. As far as we know right now, all of the pieces should be tradable or sellable, as it were. They shouldn't be locked in. That's been uh, the indication we've gotten from the dev team and the blogs we put out so far. But that is an excellent question that I can leave for Al to answer uh, when you guys are able to talk to him tomorrow. That'll be something that, as far as I know, everything is still going to be tradable, and you can pass that along or sell it and, and make some cash off your materials if you don't want to use them yourselves, as well as everything in the crafting box. The, the pack itself, I, I believe... I believe that's not bound when you pick it up from the C-Store, so you may be able to sell the pack itself, but then all the pieces inside should be unbound, and you should be able to, to pass those out or use them as you please. But I would definitely make sure to ask Captain Gecko for confirmation on that tomorrow. Cool, cool. Thank you, thank you. I'm actually curious. I don't know if you're going to be able to say anything about this, but you know, we know about the crafting in 9.5, and we know about the, uh, the DOF revamp, but is, is there anything else coming in 9.5 that hasn't been announced yet that you might be able to tell us or hint at? or like, Is there going to be a new featured episode or anything like that? 
or is it just a crafting update? Well, I can definitely say there are some other things that will be coming out with the Season 9.5 update. We've already had a couple of things hit Reddit and a few other public forums about a certain something that might be getting released soon, and I can't confirm exactly what it is, but I can say that there will be something that players should expect that will be coming out next week that's going to have some awesome new gear in it, some really cool new redacted things that, God, I wish I could tell you. But you guys are going to love what's going to be coming out next week. There are We've seen the visuals the last few days as Trendy and I have been going in to take pictures, and it's just the, the design team has outdone themselves again. The What we've seen so far has been so cool, and it really... It's something that we ourselves, when we found out a few months ago it would be coming out, we were surprised. We just didn't think that that was going to be what was focused on as far as this particular item that will be released. It uh, was a little out of left field as far as what we knew about the upcoming story content, but it was still really cool. We were still really excited about it. And I can hint at something that should ring a bell for Cookie. If you remember who I smirked Twain voiced for, you may remember what it might be. And then anybody who doesn't get that hint probably already found out about it on Reddit. I can say, though, there's also going to be... Um, everybody has, of course, been asking a million questions about the removal of the star clusters, which will be coming for season 9.5. It's almost like this ominous cloud that's approaching that's going to hit us. And people have been very concerned about some of the information that came out as far as the accolades and the DOF missions and the daily missions that you could get that were associated with the star clusters. And we've really had a passionate response as far as people not wanting these these exploration areas to go away. And we've begun asking ourselves exactly what we can do to try to help the players cope with this. And right now, I, I can't go too much into detail about this. We don't have an official replacement from you know Cryptic and Perfect World coming, but what we do have is a lot of really amazing interest from the UGC author community and the opportunity to create different missions that are completely generated that can still access and use the exploration clusters and I'm going to be putting my full support and effort behind making that happen and bringing some really amazing additions to the game that can be very elaborate and very detailed and very focused on the areas that these clusters are in tying into the local races not just unknown computer generated races that you would find when you would go in and do the, the explore ground missions or the space combat missions so we really want to be able to to help the Foundry authors make some amazing content to put in in place of some of the material that will be taken out from the Star Cluster removal. And I'm, like I said, I'm. that's why I'm focusing now on Foundry tutorials. I'm focusing now on increasing my skill with Foundry because I would love to add to this mix both with my personal account and my work account so I can have like my incognito, unknown, personal stuff out there <laughs> so people won't be associating it with judging the fact that I'm an employee versus playing it and having fun as well as making some official missions for my Captain Smirk account that I can give the players access to to try to, to almost make fun side missions that we can promote and make available to everybody to try to tie in some new upcoming events or maybe holiday things. We just have a, a ton of stuff in our heads that we would love to get out into missions to make available for all of you. Actually, that, that was another thing we talked about actually last week's episode because of everybody's concern regarding the exploration cluster. I know that the door will still be there for Foundry authors to create missions. Uh, and one of the ideas that one of the ideas that we threw around was um, 
yeah, opening up the cluster where you know you walk up to a planet or you fly up to a planet and and a foundry mission would pop up because one of the things now at least for me i'm not I'm not a big foundry aficionado I don't play a lot of foundry missions, and one of the things is kind of there's i don't want to say a barrier to entry, but it's hard for me to just pick at random you know uh what mission I want to play but if let's say I flew up to the cluster and you know it a, a a button came up to play a mission I may just do it I may just click mission and let it randomize a uh a foundry author's mission well that's kind of the never winter way if if I uh, I uh, if I remember correctly is that you the foundry doors there give you like three mission options you have the choice of going in to pick your own, but the, there's three just kind of predetermined or picked at random options that you can just click and instantly be in a foundry mission. Am I remembering that correctly, or was that changed? No, I think you're correct in, in that, and that's one of the things that we would love to have for Star Trek Online, and basically that's one of the reasons I wanted to encourage different authors to begin making missions, because it'll be much easier for us to test something like that out and to promote its value internally here for the company if we have just the the backing for player interest and the creation of missions like this to give us the necessity to make a change like that or to make something like that available. And that's actually something that I'm going to bring up with the interest in parties who come to me about creating these missions is the idea that that might, that was one of the big concerns for them was how would this work? Would it just be you have to go through and find exactly the mission you want, pick it, accept it, then the door will pop up, or is there a way that they could create something that would give you access to many options without being lost in the foundry list of different missions? And, you know, you'd have to have your your water wand to find the mission that you want exactly to get into the cluster that you're going to. So the randomization option, that's actually a very good suggestion. I think it's. I think there's a lot of people that don't interact with the foundry that would, or might even interact with it un- unknowingly, just being able to fly up to a cluster and... You know, there's a button there that says, okay, there's a mission here. You know, and they just click it and are in it and don't have to go hunting for a mission. There's a lot of people that just don't open that uh, that foundry tab to, to search for missions. And I, th- I think that would uh, help get a lot of people involved if they could just stumble upon some stuff. Right. I think there is definitely the curse of too many options in the foundry. It's something that I've been familiar with, with my work with... Uh, visual arts and commissions and custom work there's always the 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 problem of people having way too many options to go through that it kind of overwhelms them and they they end up almost giving up because they can't decide on what they want to play or there's so many good reviews for a mission that they just can't pick one versus the other because they all have five stars and you know it's a hard life to have so much good content to pick from (laughs) (laughs) it's the star trek way Exactly. It's like someone who's never seen the series trying to pick which series they want to start with. And, uh, you know, it's it's a hard choice. Well, Captain Smirk, uh, we want to give this opportunity to open the mic to you. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you want to get out to the community? Well, I would love to thank everybody who's participated in our ticket giveaway contest for a pair of tickets to Star Trek Las Vegas this year. Uh, to anybody who couldn't make the convention or the the cost of getting to Las Vegas is too much for them to take the chance to try to win the tickets, you know, I, I, I hope that 
either for 2015 or the big anniversary for 2016, you might be able to go to the convention and hopefully we will have tickets and more contests to give out for then. Would love to see as many players going to the convention as we can. Watch out for tweets from our official account. I'm going to be tweeting while I'm on the floor, maybe even trying to have some fun with while I'm there at the convention, letting people know that, hey, I'm by this booth or by that booth. Come and check it out and driving some traffic to different participants' booths, having some fun with meeting up with players, finding all the awesome costumes that are going to be there on Saturday that I'm just gonna I'm gonna love seeing all that and really having being at this convention and not not just being there for this huge announcement that we're gonna have which we can't wait to bring to everybody but also just enjoying the convention and this is gonna be my first time actually making it to the Vegas con I was never able to afford it before myself so the fact that I'm going to get this this opportunity to be there for the first time as well as be part of the actual event is just gonna be like I said the geek show will wear off I think when I get off the plane but it's going to be so much fun to meet everybody there and I really hope that you guys get your fundraising goals met we are going to do whatever we can to help promote that good luck on the charity event tomorrow and for everybody who's been concerned about the crafting update and the star Festival, we are going to have one more week of triple testing for everyone to get on and try out the recent updates that have hit the triple test server before things go live They've made a lot of improvements to the UI. They've made a lot of changes and brought back different features of the DOF UI for everyone to try out. And I cannot stress enough how much everyone is really going to be amazed when everything does hit that the new system is a lot of fun to play with. The crafting items may take a while for people to get to the top tier, but they're such cool items. Like, I can't wait for my TR-116B rifle. I'm going to go shoot up a lot of people with that. That's going to be a lot of fun to have. And the star cluster removals may be going, but don't worry. We're going to try to get some new material in there with the support of our UGC author community. So never fear. These changes are mid-season changes that are not even going to be anything compared to the awesome stuff we have coming for the next season. You guys are going it's, to... It's literally just going to... There's going to be massive amounts of head explosion after the Vegas Con announcement. Awesome, awesome. Well, Captain Smirk, thank you so much for stopping by Priority One Podcast. We hope it won't be too long before you come back, and we hope to see you at Vegas. Thanks. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys at Vegas. Thanks again for having me on. And again, anytime you guys want to get any more devs or myself back on, just let me know. We'll make arrangements for that. And good luck with everything tomorrow. Thank you so much. Thank you uh, and the entire team over at Cryptic and Perfect World for their support on our Indiegogo campaign. Hopefully we'll be able to be there and to represent the community and, and get questions answered. Yeah, thanks again, everybody. Well, Captains, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, Captains, we're at that point of the show where we open Halo Frequencies and see what's incoming from you. Our community questions for episode 181, Emergency Power to Party, were... Do you feel that Star Trek Online is starting to lack variety? Especially when they're about to remove something like the Exploration Clusters. Our second question, which I posted on the forums and on the show notes for the episode was... So what is most appealing to you of the new traits, modifiers, or items... Uh, in the new crafting system. What got you excited? From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy writes, All hail robot chicken. Yes, indeed. Community question one. Yes, currently there are episodes that only replay a certain amount for gear. PvE cues for maximum grindage of marks. Possibly PvP for dilithium. Wonderful show. Loved the outtakes. On the Star Trek online forum post for this episode, Mac 22 writes... 
Yes, there's been a tiny trickle of new content over the past year. Every three or so months, one new mission. The missions aren't that deep. The time gating on repetitive grind-focused content is really obvious that they're forcing things to take a specific set of time. But even then, they can't keep up with the consumption of content. Starfish1701 posted on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, I almost exclusively leveled two characters with the exploration clusters because the missions were very short and I didn't have much time to play back then. For the sake of a few dozen missions which could be created just using the foundry, the basic mechanic of the exploration cluster could have been given new life. Throw in a few new maps and random rewards and you would be onto a winner, in my opinion. Actually, uh, the Nagus dailies, I think they're making a comeback, uh, at least they were last time I checked. Those were some uh, missions uh, written by the Grand Nagus, listener of Priority One. He, he made some short, quick missions. Uh, they're better than console clickers, but they're not long, involved stories like, say, perhaps uh, the Overture series, written by yours truly. Pretty good series. You should check it out. Drink! Um, but, uh, you know, it, they're, but they're good for basically this, you know, get some rewards. Uh, get some dilithium, uh, and then uh, move on with the rest of your day. Malkaris writes on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode, In my opinion, STO needs more different types of gameplay that are not dependent on each other. So, diplomacy missions where you actually have to think and talk to people. Random encounter missions where you go in and have to fix a sensor or shoot the enemy of the week or explore an ancient ruin. Crafting that doesn't require someone to play in queues to get materials one needs, and buying it off the exchange is not the answer to that. Something like that, in my humble opinion, is what STO needs at the moment. Mulcaris also mentioned something about the time requirement for crafting. He says, as it stands, yes, you can reach level 15 in one school in about a month without using the lithium. If you run a project for a Mark VI item, once an hour, every hour, for 44 days straight. If you don't want to become neurotic, getting to level 15 with all those shinies takes about three months, playing four hours a day. Wow. He kind of is uh, going with something I was saying earlier in Stone News. You know, they're introducing dependencies in there. It's going to be imbalanced right from the beginning. Some cues are just not going to get the love and attention that other cues are, and it's going to make those particular crafting materials more rare and more expensive. Uh, even if you can get them on the exchange. So, uh, again, we'll, we'll, it's you know it's new. It's, we'll have to test it. We'll have to see how it works in the real world. And if it doesn't work, they can always go back and fix it. But I'm just uh, I'm, I'm scratching my head on that design decision, though. And that brings us into our next community question. So what is most appealing to you of these new traits, the modifiers, the items in the new crafting system? What got you excited? Daniel Koheiser posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, There is not any traits that are standing out to me or even being memorable. And with crafting having a 10-year route to max out at the number of hours I can play, I don't think I would ever see those traits, or even start on leveling crafting. I don't know that it's going to take that long. I mean, how long does it take... Daniel, how long does it take you to get through a reputation, a single reputation track, like the Counter Command or uh, the Romulan. How long did it take you to do that? I think each school is probably going to be around that, that level amount of time. Canis39 comments on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Of the new stuff coming from the crafting system, I find myself looking forward to the TR-116B the most. I absolutely loathe the way the adaptation mechanic works, so grabbing that for my characters without a full Mako Omega Klingon Honor Guard set is definitely something I want to do and may result in me actually playing ground STFs again. 
Well, so maybe there won't be an imbalance on the crafting materials. Maybe that rifle will get everybody in the ground STFs. The another name commented on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode. The most appealing would be the recent kit revamp. Nice to have some variations to play around there. Not excited about anything overall with the new traits, etc. Especially not the new rep system. Since the 180 turn from leveling after max level to what is now, they are not login bait anymore. Gray Fox James commented on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. As far as the new crafting system, I am hyped to see the new engineering RCS consoles and the new beam traits and procs. However, as far as changing much of my Uber fleet gear and rep gear, probably won't happen very soon or ever. P.S. I love the idea of having random foundry missions attached to the exploration clusters. That would certainly help to add variety and get people more involved in exploring and the foundry in general. And what if those missions that randomly popped up were, you know, missions that advance the storyline? Well, here's what we talked about last week, too, is that they're taking away the exploration maps, the clusters, but they're leaving the door open for foundry missions. So I had posed the question, well, why not just, in the same fashion as we discussed earlier, put these spotlighted missions into the exploration cluster and just throw them in there. Just throw them all in there and you go in and instead of it being the Genesis engine that creates the mission, just let it be a random foundry mission. Well, part of the problem with that is that some foundry mission authors uh, design a specific door in a specific place for story reasons, you know. Okay, so any mission that has moving forward that has a door in the exploration sector, just you walk up to the exploration cluster, you hit play mission, and boom, you're playing a, a foundry mission that's set in the exploration cluster. I think that's oh yeah, a pretty decent mechanic to foundry do. Foundry authors would make missions designed to take advantage of that mechanic to get more exposure for their missions because the existing uh, system we have is absolutely terrible. <laughs> the, the mission discovery in the foundry is terrible. I don't know what it is right now for me that I'm so gung-ho about content. Like, I haven't felt this way in a very long time. I've, I've felt like... Like, I guess in December, November last year, I didn't feel this way. I didn't feel this way last summer. But for whatever reason, this year or this summer, I catch myself thinking, man, instead of watching Star Trek in, on Netflix, I would really rather be playing Star Trek online. But I just don't want to do an STF. I just don't want to do a cute event. I just I want to play something that has story to it. I blame the news that Bob Orsi is the director of Star Trek Three. That's what I blame. You're right. You're right. I blame that too. <laughs> I do miss the days when I first started and it was all new and I went yeah. through the missions and it was so exciting to me. It's a good storyline. I mean, on the older missions, yeah, some of the cracks in the age are showing up some of those older ones. But, the, I mean, the overall story arc is still good. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, a, it's a bunch of good mission content. And Cryptic does do, I've always said, I thought they've taken care of the uh, prime timeline you know, very well as the keepers of the canon. I'm, I'm fine. I'm satisfied with, with how they've done it. But... It just doesn't happen quickly enough uh, to feed the voracious appetites of uh, the people that want to consume that type of content. And I would be much more likely to do more Foundry missions if there was a choice to show the Foundry mission doors in wherever location I was at and I could just look and see where they were. Yeah, kind of like Neverwinter. Ooh, ooh. I would be much more likely to do them then. Hall 85 writes in the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Loved Elijah's idea about tying foundry and exploration more closely together. I'm all for it. It's the best way to get true exploration in the game, in my opinion. 
Love the show. C-Mac G also wrote on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode, the idea of creating missions in the Foundry which can access the clusters is a phenomenal idea. I might play more Foundry missions that way. It's really a great marriage of the two systems. Eklinar commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, I love Captain Gecko's bit about supporting Priority One. This is one of the reasons why I like Stowe so much, because of the unique relationship between developers and players. Thank you, uh, Eklinar. It's it is it's it's a very unique relationship that the that Cryptic Studios has had with their player base, even as far back as uh, City of Heroes. You know, they they've always been transparent and they've always been in the trenches, so to speak, with their player base. Um, they've never shied away and they've never been afraid of of getting involved, and that's amazing. I mean, it's. It's the reason why podcasts like Priority One Podcast can continue to do what we do week after week. Captains, we apologize to folks who may have commented on the site in the last few days leading up to our live recording. Our website has been acting a little funky with comments, and our webmaster, Lennon Rich, who's also a host on Guard Frequency, is too busy vacationing in France. So uh, we've left him alone this last week, and um, just bear with us in uh, the next few days as we remedy that issue. But nevertheless, each week our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for our show, so keep them coming. You can reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One. Or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And remember, this week's community question is, would you play Foundry missions that were spotlighted by Star Trek Online and tied in story between featured episodes? Our second question, are you going to Star Trek Las Vegas? Let us know. We hope to see you there and make sure we meet up. Take pictures. Plan ahead. Let us know in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the official post for this episode on the Star Trek online forums. Well, that wraps up episode 182 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live on Trek Radio starting at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And you can subscribe by pointing your podcast catcher at feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site or on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Would you play Foundry missions that were spotlighted by Star Trek Online and tied into story between featured episodes? Our second question, are you going to Star Trek Las Vegas? Let us know. We hope to see you there and make sure we meet up. Take pictures, plan ahead... All that jazz. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One Podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join Priority One. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. We've still got time before our Indiegogo campaign is up. So get yourself a rare piece of Star Trek history with some ultra-rare Star Trek online swag. Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash campaign to find out how you can contribute and earn those amazing rewards. 
a very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so by additional donations or by sharing it with their friends and fleetmates. Without your ongoing support, we could not bring you the content that you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. A special thanks to our guest, Star Trek Online Community Manager Trevor, Captain Smirk McNesby. Special thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer this week, Ben Churchill, an audio assistant, and QA support staffer, Midnight Shadow 7. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and of course, Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, and our new partner, Cosplay Sky. Let's go ahead and get a team of Star Trek Online officers together at the convention and represent. Don't forget to use promo code P, the number one, P-O-D, at checkout to save 10%. That's P-1-P-O-D. For more information, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CosplaySky. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek Online community, our listeners, our supporters, our friends. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. I'm drawing a blank. Can you refresh my memory? What was it the was, new feature? Uh, uh, what was it that you did? It was um, it was the plot line. It was the original one, and then there was like a spin-off. It's been a while since I looked at it, and it just came to mind, and you called me out on it, and I don't remember either. <laughs> no, I, it was... You don't even know. cut all this out. Uh, this is this is well, great see, reporting know. on our part. Yeah, you did something <laughs> oh, well. somewhere. Elaborate, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's working out great for me because I'm like, um, what are you talking about? I did. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. All right, who shot who in the what now? <laughs> as the political realities throughout the Federation spit. Nah. As the political reality. You just redo the whole thing. Really? No, really. In this week's community spotlight, we're joined again by Star Trek Online's community manager. Captain's in this week's community. Sp- this is my first time doing this, guys. If you don't know, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a big Elijah, voice. I really though. appreciate it if you would look over the notes before the episode. Thanks. <laughs> you could go far in this podcasting business. You've got a nice, big, deep I voice. I like that. Keep, keep trying. You'll get it there, Slugger. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks. Now you started as the Star Trek Online Community Manager. Oh, I'm so nervous. Woo.
Okay, sorry. <clears throat> the Bortescu uniform is now available free Come on, to say all that like I, a Klingon. The I, Bortescu. It, okay, I wasn't sure. Kapla, everyone, it's the Bortescu. Kapla, everyone, <laughs> welcome. Just yeah, we want this to be especially mediocre. Come on, it's the Klingons. Nobody likes the Klingons. Bortescu, like that. How about that? That's, that was good. I just muffled. I muffed my. I muffed myself. You what? I muffed myself. I put my hand on the sofa. No, that is not good radio. <laughs> that is not good radio. These bundles. Not these. These. These bundles. <laughs> no, these bundles. These bundles, son. Why did you give me this paragraph? <laughs> <laughs> All three variants will be available to you uh, for free. Almost. <laughs> You messed up the English word. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all, all three variants will be available. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I bet you thought that he thought that was funny acting. Okay. For example, in my Overture series, which you may be familiar with, you have to go to Andoria for a very particular reason. <sighs> Eklinar commented via the PriorityOnePodcast.com comment section, I loved Captain Gecko's bits about... <laughs> Whatever. Um, we love Captain Gecko's bits. <laughs> <laughs> Speak know, for I, yourselves. You suck so much. Thanks to your amazing support, we've already raised over 87% of our minimum goal, which will get just one of us that there. Sounded like, that sounded like an like operator. Over 87%. I was expecting to say 80, and then there was a 7 in there, and I was like, what? What's going on in the chat room? There's a lot of giggling going on. Keep it down, kids! <laughs>